Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. Hey, welcome back. Rise up, live free listeners. Uh, On the mic today is myself, Jimmy Vreeland, and my main man, Brad. Brad is excited about today's episode because we are going to actually do some math. And we are going to, yeah. we've been saying this now since 2016, when you kept encouraging me to borrow more and more private money between eight to 10% and build a re- rental portfolio. You kept, I'm like, Brad, I don't know. I can't get money low enough. Should I really be buying these long-term assets? And you would bring up the truth concepts calculator. Yep. And you would say to me, Jimmy, interest rates don't matter. Interest rate. Dude, that is one of the most mind bending things that I'll say to people. If I want to like blow someone's mind, I'll just casually throw it out there. By the way, interest rates don't matter. What? That's what we're going to talk about today. So yeah, I mean, let's just get into it. Wait, when cool. So what do you mean by that? Interest rates don't matter. Everybody's worried that, oh, mortgage rates went to six and 7%. The party's over. I was too late to the game and I can't even get in real estate or I bought too much, too late. And am I going to get screwed? Like, I do. my inbox is blowing up. Our Facebook groups are blowing up. What do I do about increasing interest rates? And Jimmy, what's the, what's the quote? Like, do I wait or buy or buy or wait? What was that? So you don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. And that is still what we're going to talk about. So here's the math that I don't think people's brains know how to process because we're not trained in how to mortgages work. And we don't even really actually know what interest rates are or what they do. Because here's the weirdness about it. Like when you go to Home Depot and you buy a hammer, when you're trying to formulate an expectation of the price of that hammer, what, co- what measurement tool comes to mind? The price of a hammer? Yeah. Dollars. How many dollars is yeah. it going to cost me? That's how you're measuring the price. Yep. Well, Jimmy, how do you, how do you price money? Because you, you can't price money and money that'd be like saying how many hammers does a hammer cost what costs a hammer like you can't do it and that's the libertarian argument of why inflation and printing money is so nefarious and because it takes a ruler and then it makes the ruler is always saying it's a foot and it's always growing and And we're changing yeah and the way we price money is through interest rates right but our brains haven't been taught to know that like we know the difference between if a hammer's $4 or a hammer's $30, like we could be like, okay, there must be a, you know, what's the difference in this? We have a hard time processing three and a half or 6%. Okay. Right. Because yep. our brain wants to say, well, it doubled. So then we think the impact of that doubling is our mortgage payment is then going to double. Right? right. And our, and then all of our stuff is going to then collapse from there. So here's some fun math. And then Jimmy will we'll kind of pick this apart. So everybody's worried. This is why I, I tell everybody interest rates in this environment don't matter is uh, on uh, average rental property, Jimmy, $150,000 purchase price. Good place to yeah. start. Okay. Yeah, sure. 
And we, we put down $30,000, we put down 20%, we got $120,000 mortgage. Yep. Six months ago, that interest rate was three and a half percent. Yep. So your 30 year fixed mortgage payment on that property was $538.85. Okay. $538. The interest rate now almost doubles to 6%. I ran the numbers at 6%. Our brain would tell us, well, if I asked and pulled the audience and hadn't already shown my cards, we usually want to ask the audience, well, how, how much is my mortgage payment going to go up? People say, well, it should roughly double. It should go to over $1,000. Yeah, so $1,000 mortgage. $1,000. And at $1,000 mortgage, you're right. That property is not viable from an investment standpoint. Okay. But here's what the mortgage actually goes to. At a 6% interest rate, your 30-year fixed mortgage is $719.46. Okay. It only went up by 180 bucks. Jimmy, is $180 a month going to make or break how much money people can make in turnkey real estate? No. No, it's a blip. It doesn't matter. It's totally yeah. irrelevant. Like, well, it's if you're, unfortunate. If you're only looking at year one performance, then that could that could, you know, dissuade you that, hey, yes. this, this isn't a good deal now. Yes, it could, right? Yeah. Okay. So now here's the other side of that coin. So we got $180 a month increase. Okay. Here's the other part of it. Because again, real estate's complicated. There's moving parts. There's these four pillars and there's all this other stuff. So I read an article, Jimmy, recently, I shared this with you and Ryan. Uh, I think it was an analysis of the, of the top 20 metro markets in the United States the average rent increase last year was 20%. It's like 19 yep. point something percent. And the highest market, Miami, went up by 49%, okay? So yep. let's think about, again, the impact of interest rates, okay? A 20% increase in our rental income, our brains can't process that, but we're like, but mortgage rates doubled and rents only went up 20%. Yeah. You see, I'm getting worse. Like this isn't going to work. Well, here's the numbers. That $150,000 house rents for 1300 bucks. Is that a fair? Yeah. Yeah. It's about right. 1300 bucks. A 20% increase on $1,300 takes rent to 1560. Right. That is an increase of $260. Yep. So Jimmy, who wins when rates go up also driving rents up? The person who owns the house. So I get to raise rent. And are you seeing rents going up by two to well, $300 a month? Yeah. And let me back that up with a little bit of math because now with interest rates going up, so first time home buyer purchases, here's the decision they make. Now my mortgage. So what are we $150,000 house? And I wanted to be a first time home buyer. What's yep. my, what's my mortgage right now? It, it, it went from 538 to 719. Okay. And so at 719, renting becomes a lot more appealing. Yep. If I can get a rental for 900 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Because well, I don't even have to come out with the down payment. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because what their ability to buy a house just went down. So they went, they were probably three months ago being able to buy a $200,000 house, right? Yep. Now that $150,000 house, they don't want to make that investment to own. They're yep. like, I'll, even though my mortgage will only be 700, I'll still rent it. For 1300 to 1500 Yeah. Because when interest rates go back down, then I can buy my own. Then I can, or I just have to save up more money, right? In order to be yeah. able to afford it. Now, keep in mind for those, just in case you're listening along and confused, 
I'm only quoting principal and interest, right? Then we have property taxes and, yep. and all of that other stuff that'll get that up closer to the rent, right? But that's what Jimmy's talking about is now. And I would also say that they have to come up with a bigger down payment, right? Because the house price is bigger. So they'll go to all of that kind of stuff. Okay. So, but, so this is the other side of the coin that most people aren't seeing is yes, mortgage rates doubled, but our payment went up 180 bucks, but our rent has gone up by $200 or $250. So do, do interest rates matter? No, we're back to square one. We're back to where we should be. Right. Right. And the only, if interest rates double, our rents only have to go up just over 10%, about 13%. As long as rents go up, we're, we've covered the extra interest on the mortgage. Okay. But Brad, so now what about the people are like, year one, my cash flow has been hurt. Uh, my answer is what you said, just wait until year two. But then the other question nobody's asking is like, why are they raising interest rates? Like, let's go back in time. Why did they raise interest rates to zero? Or why did they lower interest rates oh. to zero during the pandemic? To stimulate the economy and because they are afraid, yeah, they are afraid asset values were going to get devastated. Correct. Now, why are they raising interest rates? Because of inflation. Because asset values are growing too fast. <laughs> too fast. Yes. So, so it's not like, oh no, this is going to crash. It's like, oh no, asset values were going to stream off into outer space and nothing was going to be affordable. Yeah. And then there was going to be, so they're trying to cool it off to avoid a bigger crash, right? Right. Now, how good they are at doing that, well, remains to be seen, right? Um, but but you asked like about year two, right? Or year, or year one versus year two versus year three. So a lot of people are like, oh, I can't rent, raise rents 13%. Okay, cool. What if you raise them 5% this year and 5% next year? Well, that's the same thing, right? So again, it's back to, we just have to wait in order to figure out how we're going to make money. So maybe I have to take a little less cash flow than I wanted to. Now, we're not saying go buy any property at any price under any set of conditions. No, like we're still working within a very narrow set of property and conditions and, and what we would be willing to do. But even inside of those, these changes have not changed whether those conditions function. Because now right. I just maybe need to wait for two years and have two 5% bumps in price and now I'm, I'm right back to where I needed to be. But again, the other thing about mortgage is doubling. It increased $180 this year, but does it increase next year, Jimmy? Usually. No, no, no. My mortgage payment. Once I oh. locked it in at Oh, I thought you are still talking about rent. No, I was talking about the mortgage payment. Yeah, Sorry, back that, the magic of turnkey real estate and like why I have felt like I'm the dumbest businessman ever as I have been selling an asset with fixed cost of capital, a 30-year asset, I've been selling it based off year one performance. Yes. Like that is maybe the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. <laughs> much, much to the benefit of us in our community. So, yes. but that, that's the whole point here is it goes up $180 once and then it's locked in that way for the next 30 years that you own the asset. But I get chances to raise the rent every time a tenant moves out. And the only time I can't raise rents is if they stop printing money. And I don't know of a scenario where that's going to happen. Over, we did a little chart over since 1940, twice, two years only did rents go down. So we yeah, have a rents. pretty good track record that they'll go up or stay level. And we get that chance to recoup this over time. So we just have to wait. Well, and then the other thing is, is, you know, 
most people would say interest rates are going up. So housing prices is going to go down. History does not agree with that. In the 70s, during stagflation, interest rates doubled and housing prices tripled. Yeah. Now, so it, before somebody says, oh, Jimmy, there was a crash of real estate in 2000 or in 1980, whatever. Yes, there was. No, there, there was a, a there was a lending saving and loan scandal in 1982. That was a lending crisis. That was not a real estate crisis. And, and I would argue the 2008 real estate crisis was not a real estate crisis. It was a lending crisis. It was a, you were able to be, whenever fraud is condoned, bad things will happen. And fraud was condoned in the lending process during that time. Yep. And I, and I'll tell everybody here, the same thing I tell people all the time. Like when anybody comes to me and says, I lost 20% in the stock market, I said, Jimmy, you don't lose anything in the stock market. You still own the same exact number of shares you owned the day before. You just right. thought they were worth something that they weren't. Same with real estate. If you owned real estate in 2008, you still have the same square footage, the same bedrooms, the same bathrooms, the same ass. You, you just made a bad forecast, right? Well, so, and the price still doubled after the blip. Housing prices around the United States still doubled between 2000 and 20, 2020. So just like me, who I bought real estate in 2007, a lot of it, more than I had ever bought before, as, as long as you're buying under fixed interest rate terms where the cash flow will cover your mortgage payment, all I had to do was wait that out. And then I still 5X'd my money by 2016 when I sold out of those properties because they all recovered and they put cash flow in pocket along the way and made it so I didn't have to pay taxes while I was doing it. Like it was still insanity when it comes to, to making money there. And that's what people are, are, are missing when they say interest rates are too high. The other thing I'll bring up is my very first mortgage on, a, on an investment property, if I'm remembering right, that it was the very first one was seven and a quarter percent. And I bought the rest of my portfolio in 2007, all over 6%. Most were about 6.75 uh, is where I was at. Did I make money? I just said I 5X my money in a time period of about 10 years. Right. Which goes to back to my point. Why are they raising interest rates? It's because asset values are skyrocketing. Yep. Don't you generally want to buy asset values that are rising, Brad? I mean, that's what I'm told is buy low, sell high, right? For those that try to play that game. Okay. And so I, I would argue if you buy in 2022, you're buying the leveling. Yes. You're buying- well, Go ahead. I was going to say, you're, you're also still buying free money because yes, mortgages are at 6.25 or whatever they are. What, what's inflation? 10, nine. So you're still beating, you're still, it's still free money. Yeah. And the magical part, as rents continue to go and your cash flow increases, here's what we know is inevitable. Will interest rates go back down? Yes. So you just refi it out for a lower interest and increased cash flow. But you gotta buy the level now, so you get a hold of the asset and you begin the four pillars process. Amen. Okay, so let's talk value for a second, just because I ran numbers on. I want to share it with you. Um, if so, when interest rates were at three percent, what was the increase? You know, what at what rate were properties increasing at? Three to four percent, right? Like we weren't yeah. seeing massive increases in in value well and then just sorry before you get going on numbers quick history lesson before the pandemic i was still selling houses at six percent interest rate yeah you were yeah I, I didn't drop it on our performance the lowest i ever dropped it was four and a half 
Yep. And I didn't do that until mid so we had been there a long time. Yep. We had yeah. been there a long time. Okay. But it, so if we were expecting 3% inflation and 3% property increases, we'd be buying this property with an expectation of four to $5,000 a year of value increase, right? Yeah. So that's 300 bucks a month or whatever. If now our properties are increasing at 8%, which is what inflation is, if they just keep up with inflation, then now my property is increasing by $12,000 a year or uh, or or a thousand bucks a month. That's an increase in my property valuation rate of increase. Again, this is why our brains don't do this. We don't like derivatives, increases of increases. Okay. Right. But now I've got an extra $7,500 evaluation increase or another $625 a month. So why am I sweating the $180 that the bank is asking me for to make the mortgage payment when my asset now is, again, going up in value much faster than it was before? I don't know. And then that's, that's the when interest, yeah, when interest rates were really low, we couldn't look at, you know, we couldn't, I couldn't look at my buyers in the eye and say, Hey, there's a high percentage of appreciation on this one. Now with as much money as in printed, you can bet a little stronger on appreciation. And with what rents are doing, right. Same thing. Yeah. Those that's pushing valuations up. And with how much money, uh, <clears throat> hedge funds are bringing to the table that's pushing valuations up. So again, like, I, I, so I'm hoping you guys listening at home here are, are like this math should be, if, if you didn't already know it, I'm always surprised at how revelatory this is to people that when mortgage rates increase on the investment side of the ledger, it's not as big of an impact as most people think. Your mortgage doesn't double, right? You're, you don't go from positive cash flow to negative cash flow. It, that generally doesn't have as much of an impact. And then there's always, and this is why we like the four pillars. There's always an offsetting impact to that. So the increase in interest rate pushes, this time it's pushing rents. And I have a cash flow pillar and it's going to offset some of that that comes off of that. And it might take a little time, but it'll come in. Same with evaluation side of it. The other thing we didn't even talk about is that $180 is all interest, which I get a deduction for. So after tax, it's not even 180 bucks. Right. So there's yeah. all of that playing into it that we've just got to slow down. Right. Stop listening to MSNBC and worry that the world is going to be ending tomorrow because interest rates went up and get our wits about us. Because everybody says when there's blood in the streets, so I'm going to run in and invest. But nobody actually actually does because they're freaking out as much as anybody else. And this yeah. is a prime example. It's been even with as much as we poured investing into like the invested knowledge into our community, I, I was a little surprised at the knee-jerk reaction to, to people even inside of our community that are eating and drinking and sleeping this every day. Jimmy, I don't know if you've thought the same thing, but I was really, I was like, guys, like, you know this, we've taught this forever. This, you should stand strong and, and continue to move because it is the time we're still going to make money. Yeah, there's always, what I love about cash flow tactics, core four, four pillars, is the thesis I've been running with is that there's always a lever to pull. And so when during the pan, before the pandemic, the lever to pull was, hey, this is a burgeoning market. People are interested in this. It's probably time to buy based on a cash flow return. Then the pandemic, we said, hey, it doesn't matter if your tenants pay. We don't care about your cash cheap flow. It, cheap money. Get as much cheap money as you possibly can. And then that worked out for people. 
And now we're saying, get as much of this 30-year fixed money as you possibly can that you'll refi one day and benefit from the massive rent increase right now. Yep. Always a lever to pull if we're buying real estate following the core four four pillars. And if there were other assets that I could buy following the core four four pillars, I would gladly do so. There just doesn't happen to be very many out there. It's so why wouldn't... So, and then the, there's been one number we haven't discussed, Brad. And you know what that number is? Ooh, no. What if you have liquid cash sitting in a bank, huh. what is that losing every year? It's going backwards by 8%. So that $30,000, ooh, I'll do the math on in that. In some cases, 10. Yeah, that $30,000 down payment, losing 8%, that's more than 200. That's like $200 a month that you're losing just in value. You're gonna lose over $2,000 in purchasing power by not doing anything. Yeah, even if you just kept it as a hedge, got the house as a hedge, you're still winning right now. Yep. So, and then, so let's talk about your other hedges in the market right now, crypto. Yay, crypto, savior of all. <laughs> Why don't you like crypto, Brad? I, you know, I, and actually, Jimmy, you gave me this terminology for it. It's a much better way to say it. There's no Lindy effect, right? Right. Well, A, it doesn't cash flow, right? And B, there's no utility, proven enough utility value to say, because again, a hedge, you don't make money on a hedge. If you're buying crypto because you think it's going to make money, you cannot simultaneously tell me that it's going to be a hedge. It cannot be both, right? Gold, nobody makes money in gold unless you're trading it, okay? But it's a hedge, an ounce of gold, like I have on the wall behind me here, for those that can see the video, bought the same amount of stuff this year, the same amount of stuff in 1913, and the same amount of stuff when Christ walked the earth. It buys the same amount of stuff. Jimmy, how much stuff does one Bitcoin buy? I have no idea. No clue. And it's changed so frequently, it's not actually a very reliable hedge. Now, it may be a future hedge against the chaos of the world that's coming, yeah. but then stop telling you about how much money you're making in it because it's not, it's not the point. And right? the, the thing is, what's interesting to me is that with the stock market crashing, I would have thought crypto would have gone bonkers. Up. Yes. And but that is crypto not has been bought by a bunch of mostly broke millennials who now need enough money to put gas in their car and buy lattes at Starbucks. Yeah. But do you think they even know that? No. They have so no idea like, why crypto is doing what it's doing. No, but like, do you think they're like, oh, oh, inflation's up, gas is up. I need to cash out of my crypto. Um, yeah, I, I actually kind of think that's been it. Like, I don't have enough money for the things that I want to have. What is an asset that I'm okay getting rid of? Like they're not going to sell their cat, right? Right. And so that's the only option for them because they can't get their 401k money out. So it's just the nearest thing to them. And that I, again, whether how, like how consciously they are of it, I do think that's a big pressure on selling right now. Gotcha. They have need for money somewhere else. Well, I bet you right now, what everybody's doing is liquidating because they yeah. want cash. Yes, because they want cash. Dude, this is such a double-edged sword. You want cash, which is guaranteed to lose money in your bank account. And I'm going to sell assets that go up in value as money is printed in order to get it. And dude, Jimmy, I think it's a great idea. We ranted a little before starting on my thoughts on crypto. I think we'll do an episode on that. You want that to next be the next podcast? Yeah, let's do that. 
I've always wanted to say publicly interest rates don't matter. And I, I will just say, I have, since I was too lazy to deal with bankers, I bought a rental portfolio on eight or 10% private money interest only. And I, I wish I had been not as credit worthy as I was <laughs> so that I could have bought money. I could have learned to buy property at 10%. It would have been it, it, that <clears throat> and the time I spent telling people, oh no, I have a master's degree, so I don't sell. Like those are the two biggest ego moves that have cost me more money than probably anything. Thinking I didn't have to sell and thinking I would only buy real estate if I got 30 year fixed money from the government. Well, I'm pretty satisfied with this episode. That was a great one. Yeah. So, hey guys, if you're interested in learning more about Core 44 Pillars, if you're interested about learning an economic system where you always have a lever to pull, if you're interested in learning a personal finance system where you don't have to be tied to CNBC and be tied to what's going on in the markets, check out our free Facebook group. Uh, just go on Facebook, go to Cashflow Tactics, check out our website, cashflowtactics.com, but get in the game. When everything was exploding in the stock market, Brad, when everything was going up, like we had to put blinders on and be like, hey, no, Ooh, we do down. what we do, why we do it. Yep. Don't and, wait to buy, buy and wait. Yeah. So if you are interested in this way of seeing the world, check us out at cashflowtactics.com. Check us out on Facebook. Check us on Instagram. And we'll see you on the inside. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less? Well, then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of people on their path to financial freedom, learn what's working and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free. When you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now. Just go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Cashflow Tactics to join. I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.